What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Monday Night Tales from the Flipside episode. We are joined by the amazing John Gallagher, and we have a sweet book to give away. So make sure you guys are watching live tonight, obviously. Later. You're listening to Tales from the Flipside. What's going on, everybody? Uh, we got a full house tonight. This is going to be a fun one. We're all really looking forward to this. Um, listen, I'm, I, I got Ben S. in the house. I got John Z. We got the CEO, Dino's in the house. Paul is chilling. He's probably got uh, a couple problems that are going to happen mid-episode, and we've got the one and only Big Leg joining us tonight. But super, super excited for this guest, John Gallagher. I've been talking about John's amazing Wanted Comics uh, ha-ha variant for weeks now, and uh, it's a special treat to have him on the show. Thank you, John, for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for inviting me. It's uh, it's going to be a blast. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, hitting your guys' archive and seeing what you're all about. Thank you, man. We're, we're, we're really stoked. Uh, you know, one of the things um, that we love about uh, this show and the community that the show is part of is um, working hand in hand with some of the retailers that we work with that are just friends of the the show. You know, mm -hmm. they're not sponsors. They're not, you know, paying us to, to talk about books or anything. They, they'll send us books to give away and we give them away to the fans. But, you know, a lot of them are just really good people in the community. And Drew Lujan and Wanted Comics um, is a big part of that. And he, you know, got together with you to put out this amazing, amazing ha-ha book, ha-ha uh, number one, this gorgeous variant. This is the Virgin variant. And I think we should just get into that. Like, uh, guys, we're going to be giving this away letters later, so make sure uh, you in the live chat are all staying uh, active. You guys know how we give books away in here. It, it, you never know what's going to happen. So, um, but yeah, let's get into that. How, how did that cover come about? And, and you know, what, got, what was the process with that? Well, um, like a lot of things in in the in the modern space, uh, I got hit up on Instagram by Drew, and uh, as as it often, I mean, it happens frequently enough that it kind of follows a routine. Normally, a retailer uh, will get in contact with you about uh, doing an exclusive variant, which I'm always happy to discuss. It's never uh, never really an issue. The only um, the only challenge, of course, as it, as it always is, is what is my schedule? Because being a variant cover artist is not my full-time job. Uh, I work as a production illustrator in the film business. So that eats up a significant amount of my, you know, available time pipeline. So as, as it goes, um, I mean, as I said, any chance you get to draw a creepy clown, I'm in. And I actually read the book prior to kind of having any sort of notion about my, what I may want to do or how I want it to look. And I was I was half expecting sort of a, you know, a lame sauce kind of joker knockoff. And I got an entirely different experience. And I was like, okay, well, count me in. This is actually, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, and I really, uh, I really enjoyed doing it. And of course, like I said, I didn't expect any of this. When you when you send an image out into the world, 
mostly I'm doing even variant covers. I'm just doing it because I'm a fan first. And you just want to, you know, have something that's kind of fun and interesting and people will enjoy it. I didn't expect any of these this to catch fire. I mean, it's not a, an expectation on my part. Uh, you know, it's a bit nerve wracking once in a while where you're like, ooh, I wonder if fans are gonna like it. And it's not about execution or any of that. You're just like, well, it's a creepy clown. I mean, how many have we seen? <laughs> yeah. I, didn't know if I, yeah. I didn't know if I was gonna be, you know, uh, just another bootleg dickhead knocking off a, a bad clown or if I was going to be able to do something interesting. And as it turns out, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, okay, I think there's something here. This could be kind of fun. I think people might like it. And obviously it, it you know, seemed to do much more than just people like it, which I'm humbled by. I, I genuinely, I have uh, I have nothing but awe and wonder when it comes to this stuff, how certain pieces will engage people and they'll send out other ones where I think, oh yeah, that's totally kick ass and crickets. So <laughs> I, I don't pretend, nor would I, to do anything other than try to do the best I can uh, in the time that I have to, to offer what I do to the world. And if people really dig it, that's great. How did you get started uh, in all this? Uh, doing, doing comics and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, need, to, I need to make this very clear. I'm a... I'm a very fortunate son in the sense that uh, I'm a combination of extremely lucky uh, or the fortuitous opportunities that came my way. I was work. I was writing and producing TV commercials in Edmonton, of all places, and I'd drawn all through high school and in college. I went to one year of art school, and uh, I hated it. Not to mention, I was drunk all the time and <laughs> trying to trying to do the things that nineteen-year-old boys normally try and do. Uh, Pre-internet, of course, so there's no evidence. Uh, <laughs> but I had I had I, I did have some fun, but I just found it tiresome because I said I want to work on cool things with cool people and make a lot of money. And comics, as you know, unless you're a superstar, generally isn't kind of. You know, that's not a point of connection where you don't do it. It's not a trade craft that's done with the intent of making, you know, enormous amounts of money. It's one that's done for for love. And I said, you know, I know the money's going to follow, but I still do this because I love it more than anything. And I couldn't shake it. Even when I was in college taking broadcasting, I couldn't shake not, you know, drawing all the time, which I did. And I, I interviewed Bioware. Uh, when Bioware was five guys in a, in a drafty old shitty office above a used bike store. You know, wow. I'm not kidding, man. <laughs> and uh, they were working on medical software for the University of Alberta and also had just uh, joined up with Pyrotech Studios out of Calgary, which was a, a modest outfit, about four guys doing a game called Shattered Steel. So I thought it was kind of uh, a nice convergence to bring in the medical software, which is what Bioware was originally formed to do, and their first game venture. And they said, well, can you do anything else besides, you know, shoot with a camera and edit and, and interview? And I was like, well, I can draw pretty good. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. And I said, yeah, but not from me. So... I came in and showed them my portfolio and they were like, well, that's it. Uh, when do you want to start? <laughs> so 
that was nine years where we went from that. We went through the Baldur's Gate series. I uh, did Jade Empire, Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars. Um, and my final, my final project at Bioware was Dragon Age Origin. And that game's development went forever. I think it was longer than Cyberpunk's. Um, but I went out, I finished uh, December 2004. And um, then took a couple of years off because Bioware sold and a lot of us made a lot of money. And um, I bought a comic store in Edmonton. So I was one of the partners at uh, Happy Harbor Comics with Jay Bardyla and his crew, represent, awesome guy, uh, friend for life. Uh, and that during that time, I was learning a little bit of software, but I was kind of farting around, right? Like, what do you do for a second act? And I didn't know if I had one or not. And uh, I got a call from a Universal series uh, called um, Fear Itself, Masters of Horror, season two. I was shooting in Edmonton. And uh, long story short, I went in, I uh, got the job as the illustrator on the show. And at the end of the show, he said, so the production designer, Steve Gagan, who's responsible for ruining my, my life and introducing me to this amazing, wonderful career that I have, said, well, do you want to come to Vancouver and play with the big kids or do you want to be, uh, you know, small town big shot here in Edmonton? I was like, well, when you phrase it that way, <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? So uh, I came out to Vancouver in uh, September 2008, and I've been here ever since. And uh, not one regret for one moment. It's been absolutely fantastic. It's a completely – I know that you can say it was accidental. Sure, uh, for a second act, but I'm just uh, – I'm just in awe of what I've been able to be a part of with the talent, the world-class talent that I get to work with uh, on the regular. I kind of have to give my head a shake now and then and go, not too bad for a kid from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He used to smash his GI Joes against his Godzilla and go, wonder if I'm ever gonna get to do this. And as it turns out, here I am doing this. So it's, it's awesome. kind of a wild thing. And the the variants just started because I, I became a, a pretty regular guest at Comic-Con, because um, I was trying to like sneak in the side door, you know, be an adjacent weasel and sneak in there. And because <laughs> uh, I was working on a lot of superhero stuff. So when you're working on those shows, it's kind of an interesting mix to have you as a guest uh, at Comic-Con. So um, I just had my little art booth and started hanging out. And um, I think though with a retailer variants, uh, that started online. I don't know if it was necessarily, uh, you know, an analog-driven experience uh, because of the nature of, you know, yeah. being everywhere around the world, of course. Um, and yeah, it was just a, it's just an honest, uh, honest thrill. That's awesome. I, I get, a, I get, a kick, I get a little nervous every time I have to do a cover because I don't want to let people down. Well, uh, my for myself first and foremost, but I I don't want to let fans down because as I said, I've never forgotten and never stopped being a fan myself. Uh, and I know how I remember all the arguments we used to have in college, times, <laughs> and I know I never forgot it. I've never forgotten it. Uh, what how, was your your very first? That. What was your very first piece of published work that that you actually had published? Oh my goodness. Okay, this this you're not going to believe, but I'm gonna I'm gonna share regale you with this tale of daring to do. 
uh, many, many years ago when I was in art college, uh, it was during the black and white boom, like 87, 88. And for the record, I had no business doing sequential art at that time. I had no business. I wasn't one of those guys who lived and breathed it. I loved comics and I loved the iconography and the idio, uh, ideogramic nature of, of visual storytelling. But I wasn't hardwired to be a comic book artist uh, in the traditional sense of somebody who absolutely knows mastery of this form. So I got hit up by Eternity Comics to do a couple of books for them. And I again, I got $300 for like 23 pages. Like, <laughs> not even kidding. Uh, but anyway, I, I kind of got ram ramshackled into this uh, this this mess with with doing some of their their black and white books, and they can be found out there. Um, I mean, it's an early work alert. I'm not ashamed, uh, but it's really deplorable, awful, <laughs> terrible. We hear that all the time. You know, it's one of the questions that we ask uh, every you know creator on the show because right. I, I'll be honest, it's it's selfish for me because I love collecting creators' first works, um, mm. and I, it's just it's something that I enjoy collecting. I know there's a lot of people out there that enjoy collecting it too, um, and sometimes oh, that stuff's hard to find out because you know of what you just said. And man, fans love that stuff. Well, I mean, they're free to try and find it. I don't think any of them exist. I did uh, a series called Empire, four-issue miniseries. I didn't do all the issues. Like I said, it's kind of hopping around. Uh, I did a thing called Bloodwing. I think I did three or four issues of that. My memory's murky on purpose. This is a deliberate omission from my memory things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're, they're with Eternity, like circa 87, 88. And uh, they're terrible, so you know. <laughs> not just bad, terrible, terrible. Well, so I we, need, but I, but I own it. I, you I, redeemed I, yourself, I, man. You redeemed yourself. Everybody's, <laughs> going, everybody's going to try and find uh, like an online copy to see how <laughs> bad it no, is. No, yeah. yeah, everybody's all here. You come. <laughs> Nobody's just so I assure. I assure speculators and collectors. <laughs> you're, you're definitely listed on the cover of Bloodwing too. You're not going to get rich uh, <laughs> trying to find old issues of mine with. Uh, hey, you never know. You never uh, know. No, I do actually. <laughs> and and nobody, <laughs> nobody's making a penny off these things. I think you can get like four for a dollar at like clearance bins. <laughs> just red. You watch. We're gonna go to the uh, eBay sold listings at the end of the show, and there's gonna be like ten of them sold. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know what? I, anybody who likes who likes uh, you know early work alert stuff will will get a huge kick out of this. Well, and, I was I was hoping that I had it because I've got a box of random black and white eternities and stuff, but I don't think I have those. Oh yeah, they're especially bad, John. So, <laughs> And that's no disrespect to the writers that I worked with. I mean, everyone's trying to do their thing, right? Yeah. But, uh, I had hey, no. It was all creativity at the time, man. It was cheap creativity, getting it out there. Well, that's really what it was. I mean, it really was a bit of a, a puppy mill for IP 
uh, production. And a lot of it fall by the wayside with good reason because it was fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> there's yeah. no way around it. It was just really bad. I like to tell um, their stories. You know, that's kind of what it was. They a lot of people got to tell stories, and a couple were good. And and that's great. I I'm a hundred percent behind the effort. All I know is that my contribution to that <laughs> was was not just bad. It was like diabolically bad. It was almost <laughs> like I was trying to be terrible. You have a couple pieces of work that uh, I want to bring up on your Instagram that just blew sure. me away. And this is one of them. This is absolutely amazing. Um, this is a uh, concept for um, the CW Flash show uh, yep. and uh, the Black Flash character, which was, in my opinion, the best season of that Flash show. I love mm -hmm. that season. Um, I, I think that the Flash show was so much better in those early seasons than any other thing that those CW people were, or the CW were putting out, um, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And this character was great. And this piece of art is absolutely amazing. Well, thanks. That was, um, as it says here in my, my little preamble, I try to kind of give context for some of this stuff. Uh, it was supposed to be the, the crew gift. Um, it was going to be a beach towel. And the showrunner and I were kind of conspiring, you know, huddling over in the corner going, what can we do that's really cool? And uh, he was reminded by marketing uh, that maybe because this is a family thing, you're going to go to the beach and, you know, you just hang out with your with your kids and stuff, that maybe this isn't the best thing for them. <laughs> if I had known that, uh, that it was for young for younglings and so on. And I mean, for me as a kid, I would have eaten this up. But oh yeah, uh, it yeah we we had to kind of we had to you know shift our attention a little bit and go to a shot of Grant looking kind of cool but a little bit a little bit manic. Uh, so it was good for for PG audiences. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, another one. I'm going to go find real quick is you, you brought up GI Joe or earlier in the uh, show and mm -hmm. this right here, I'm a huge GI Joe fan. Uh, a lot of us are on the show are GI Joe fans. Obviously I think a lot of people in, in, in comics right now are GI are really gravitating towards GI Joe for the nostalgia factor. And, you know, I always say when I think about my childhood, the first thing that comes up is GI Joe. And I cool. love this. I love this. Uh, I wish I could buy this. Um, if they made this, I would definitely go buy it. This is the type of stuff uh, I love seeing. Talk, talk about uh, G.I. Joe and you. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I've I've worked on a, a bunch of development stuff with Hasbro over the years. Like we've had a kind of an ongoing relationship intermittently. They'll call me like once or twice a year to work on either silo art that's going to be for, for uh, trade shows or uh, some internal development work. I've also worked at Watsi a lot. So a lot of the people have cross-pollinated over the years. So I've had the chance to work across multiple platforms. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be doing some Power Rangers uh, design coming up here pretty quick and product development. But uh, I've always I've had the same relationship with G.I. Joe. Um, I don't collect G.I. Joe. I collect statues and and uh, and props from films and replica weapons and so on. But I don't uh, collect G.I. Joe toys in that sense. But I, I have enormous love and respect for the property. And its meaning for people, I think, is probably one of the most interesting things to me is, again, the responsibility of respecting the property 
uh, I think is what I lead with versus, um, you know, oh, let's just hack out some more, you know, derivative stuff. I, w I really want to kind of try to add something to the experience for people. And in the case of these, these toy boxes that were just kind of on a, on a whim, I was like, you know, I really love the box art uh, for some of this stuff. And I found a couple of sites that had relatively high res uh, original artwork for the boxes. And I was really just inspired to kind of give it a, you know, a different coat of paint. Uh, I don't think they're better or, or more interesting than the originals. I just kind of wanted to add my own spin to what I think are iconic imageries from our from our collective childhood yeah i yes, think it's really I, important i think you have to honor you always have to honor uh the properties and it's something i've committed to uh out of respect for the fact that they had such meaning and value and they still do uh and purpose in some cases for me as well like this part of the like you and everyone else is part of the backbone you know sort of the 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 soundtrack of our lives is yeah as nerds and i i embrace that term geek whatever you want to call us i don't care um i really embrace that i really lean into it that it does matter and it does have significance and value and meaning and love and if i can show a little bit of that uh you know through my through the process then i'm 100 percent in you know yeah, I love it. It's very, uh, really good. There's a couple of them on there, you guys. Make sure you guys go check out John's uh, IG. It's Uncanny Knack uh, with a, a K-N-A-C-K on Knack. So make sure you check that out on IG. Uh, you can find him pretty easy if you search him too. But he's got some amazing, amazing stuff on there, uh, the G.I. Joe stuff uh, as well. But another um, image that I want to talk about is this one. And this is one of the one of my favorite images of thing I think I've ever seen. I love this image. Um, I love how uh, like not like gritty it is. It, it feels really gritty to me, and I think that thing needs to kind of feel gritty. Um, it's this is this is awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, as I say in my preamble, because I want to again give context. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, as a creature of effectively of of orange stone. I really want to feel that heft and that gravity and that density of, uh, of form. And I think the best way to do that is to knock them up against some real concrete and some real uh, stone. And uh, I just really liked Hitch's drawing. Yeah. And, and I kind of said, well, I don't draw like Hitch. Uh, I'm happy to homage him. Um, and just kind of went off in my own direction with it. And uh, again, that's, you know, being inspired by, by a boss, you know, yeah. you, just, you just say, Hey man, your piece is awesome. And I just kind of going to do my thing and probably ruin it. But you know, here, here, here I'm going, I'm going to see what I can do with it. What's, what's that like in the artist world when it comes to homages and stuff? Because, you know, I, I know it can be a, a tricky thing, but I, I think when you're doing it in the way like you do here, where you basically say, this is my homage to Brian Hitch's work. Um, and you're kind of saying, like, I, I know there's that saying that, uh, that imitation is a serious form of flattery. Um, and especially when you're you're putting the guy's name out there, how, how does how has that looked at in the artist world? You know, this, uh, you, you know, you could have, you probably could have opened a, a can of worms here. Not for me personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think wherever you find your inspirations, however you find them, uh, the idea that 
all you're going to do continuously is produce, uh, you know, <laughs> sterilized work sealed in a vacuum is a bit silly. Uh, and I think it's also a bit disingenuous to not acknowledge. Uh, I think credit where credit is due 100% all of the time. Uh, I realize how fussy artists can get so oh, it looks just like mine. It's like, oh, look, it's Superman standing on a hill. You own that pose. Uh, of course you don't. But <laughs> I mean, when you're when you're tr truly drawing inspiration from a piece that you really dig and you do your own version of it, you don't ate theirs. You know, like that's why I look at a lot of comic guys, because a lot of comic guys don't do what I do, which is like two and a half D where I add it. I have some 3D. I have some photo assets and you know, you just combine them you mix master them a bit. Um, and, and I, I don't mean any, and I never have meant any uh, insult by it, but I know some artists are like, Oh, if you do homages, you're creatively bankrupt. And I go, son, I ain't bankrupt. No, I don't look at it that as all. I think, I think, uh, and the reason why I brought it up is because yeah. I would expect um, there to be also the, the, the idea that when you're doing it in this way where you're actually, you know, it's kind of like standing on the shoulders of others and you're also showing them respect. That, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. In fact, speaking of homages, uh, dovetailing with what we're talking about on our, um, on the show with Haha, our number two, uh, Drew and I did one um, after a, a 1950s classic cover which I think I think people are going to get pretty excited about, and that's again you you have to honor the past uh, and the present of of what the forum is is doing, and and I know that there's various uh, schools of thought in terms of is working in in digital is that just a you know is that just a crush? I go you know how many you know pen and ink artists work in digital. Oh yeah. I don't know anyone who draws by hand effectively analog on on uh, Bristol much anymore at all. Yeah. Well, but it's still uh, there's still, you know, you're marginalized over here saying, "Well, you're a digital artist." I said, "I lean into digital. I can do things in digital I couldn't dream of doing with with pen and ink. No matter how good I got, I just can't do it. Uh, and I'll never be Jack Kirby by the same token, right? Like what I do doesn't have anywhere near the power or the strength or, or beauty of what, what Jack did and others of his ill. Um, but for me, it's, it's just how do I, like the explosions behind my eyes, how do I conceive those? And for digital has always been uh, the greatest toolbox for me to bring those things alive. Yeah. And um, plus, you I can't. In film, you have to, you have to work digitally. You have no choice. Uh, those, those, it's Jurassic Park. Otherwise, well, uh, most, a lot of the best uh, art in comics right now, like you said, is digital art, and you know I'm okay with that because that's where we're going. Um, you know, we have this amazing technology. Why not use it? Art is is it's not how you or what medium you use. I think it's more along that line, that feeling that it gives you. Right there, there's a yeah. feeling that good art gives you, and it doesn't matter the medium. It doesn't matter. You know. no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I think we're, what we have is, is an enormous toolbox for storytelling. And uh, I think 
if it's if it's a case of concentrating on the storytelling and transporting people to a place and a time and an aesthetic that that they're engaged and and connect to i don't give a shit how i get there yeah. i mean I, I think there's i think there's a certain kind of mindset especially with transitional fans who were here prior to digital and i understand the discussion i've i've heard both sides and i appreciate both sides um but having been raised on comics that were pen and ink and four color and and come up i just see it as a natural evolutionary tract that can be either explored or ignored depending on where you are and what you want to see in terms of your own uh storytelling experiences but i know most people because people like to watch visual effects and go oh i saw that i can tell that's a visual effect they don't want to be fooled like there's a connection to to a kind of analog reality that some people want to have oh, I, I don't want to be fooled by computers and you're like well it's done every day trust me a lot of the stuff that you don't notice on shows uh is all all been sweetened and it's it becomes quite startling to watch about like the mundane and everyday things that are replaced and removed on shows. I'm kind yeah, of yeah. out by it once in a while, yeah, but yeah. ultimately you just want to express the kind of the kind of imagery that you want to express, and you do it with oil paint, you can do it with watercolor, you can do it with pen and ink, you can do it with crayons. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I've even I even like some of those Sandman issues um, that were done like th in three dimensional, like they were like boxes and stuff that he took pictures of, and he and made it stuff. It was amazing. Yes, it was a beautiful. Amazing. It was wonderful, and uh, you know, there's there's of course I understand that there's traditional elements that kind of in the middle of the bell curve, and they're kind of resistant to that. That's fine. It's personal choice. Let's get uh, this guy. I, I never get perturbed by any of that, but you know. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna give this guy away, and the way that we're gonna give it away is is pretty interesting. So, John helped create a Star Wars character, and uh, if the chat can let us know the Star Wars character that John helped create, you win this gorgeous ha ha virgin variant from Wanted Comics and John Gallagher that is just absolutely amazing. Uh, we gave away the trade dress. Uh, about a week ago and this is this book is just absolutely stunning so everybody in the chat that's watching now if you guys can uh, name the character and then once we get the character we'll go into the story because it's a pretty cool story and we all want to hear it and he he kind of uh added a little bit of extra time uh to the show tonight because we said oh we have to talk about this character so okay uh once we see it guys we will uh let you, let the winner know and you gotta uh, give them a sec you gotta give them a second they're they're going and checking Google they're googling it real fast <laughs> I know. <laughs> so john i i had to stop off for a second and i was uh putting some kids to bed and my 12 year old i mentioned what you've kind of done in your past and he, he actually goes holy crap that's cool whereas usually i talk about things and he zones out and says i have no idea what you're talking about old man so, so <laughs> to be relevant to a 12 year old is impressive hey man uh i'll i'll take it i uh i i've been fortunate i mean i'm also a dad myself so my my 23 year old daughter who's the the light of my life and the center of my universe has been very good at keeping me not only uh heavily data mined for what's what's cool and how to be uh not a not a jackass uh but also uh how to, how to 
you know, just, just do cool stuff and be a part of, of everyone's dialogue, whether you're 70 or whether you're 17. Yeah, there you go. Spider, Spider Nerd. Nerd. Congratulations, Spider Nerd 78. You just won yourself a gorgeous haha variant from Wanted Comics and John Gallagher, the Virgin haha variant. So, uh, Spider Nerd, please hit us up uh, at Tales from the Flipside channel at gmail.com or on our IG at Tales from the Flipside on IG. Send us a message. Let us know the book you won and uh, your, your contact information, and we'll get this out to you. And on that note, let's hear the story about Darth Revan and, and how you were involved in the creation of that character because it is one of the biggest characters in Star Wars right now. Yeah, um, I had no idea, of course. Um, but at Bioware, we had uh, we were given the choice. We after we had done Baldur's Gate, uh, we had a couple of offers on the on the table, and we had a big company meeting and the company at that time was like 70 people like 400 now but uh we all were sitting around and and uh they wrote the three three projects we had up on the whiteboard and the last one was star wars so i stood up grabbed the the dry eraser and wiped up the other two <laughs> so well because and and i'm sure i'm 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 preaching to the choir here but uh, when I was 10 years old, I went to see Star Wars and it uh, changed my life. It was, it was, I was nuked from orbit by that movie. And I, I know its flaws and I blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But in terms of its impact on me personally and a million other creators in the world, I think, uh, it meant the world and, and it changed it. It made it richer. It made it deeper. Suddenly imagination wasn't a weird thing. Out to dream of spaceships and you're allowed to dream of you know, all these things and comics it's kind of prime me up anyway so long story short we start we start star wars knights of the old republic and uh truth be told i mean it's when you're when you're head concept guy you have a really long list of characters you have a long list of environments you have a long list of props and gear and gack and equipment and you just you just work through it if you have any questions, uh, James Olin and I, James is the lead designer. Uh, we had our offices beside each other. So if I had any questions, like literally I just go around, hey James, what about da da da? And we had lunch together and he said, listen, I'm coming up with the villain right now. And uh, it's a little more complex and nuanced than your typical <laughs> snidely whiplash. And because it's Star Wars, it's gotta be. And, and we wanna throw, uh, a bit of a monkey wrench in the works for people. And I was like, okay, well, what's the story? And it was this character named Darth Revan. Like, All right. So I did a marker sketch, took about 20 minutes, and it was one time. I didn't have to do any revisions. I dream of those days when you can actually do a character <laughs> front to back and and you have no notes. Uh, anyway, it was uh, kind of emerged fully formed, the color scheme and everything. We said we're going to throw a little of a Mandalorian flavor in there with African tribal mask, make it mysterious, some sort of textless. You're not sure exactly what's going on. But, you know, there we are. Yeah. It is one of, we I talk about you had that piece of paper. Oh, uh, yeah, that's in, the, in my personal Smithsonian. That's not going on. 
good. I think oh, so. I thought I you said you were going to send it to me later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry, man. I, I sometimes I sometimes speak without thinking. Um, somebody somebody asked in the chat way up a ways what your favorite piece of art is. I uh, I think it I think the favorite must be I've assumed the favorite your favorite piece that you made that you drew that I drew. Oh, uh, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> but I'm sure when I have, I'll let you know. I think, I think because it's an eternal struggle, you always abandon your work. I, I'm a terrible father to my brain children. I'm just awful. Because <laughs> I do. I, you get to a certain point, and I think any artist will chime in saying this. You just they either push away from the table going, we're done here, or you kick the table away going, fuck you, we're done here, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I, I haven't done it yet, to be honest. I mean, there's pieces that, I like more than others. I'm willing to shame myself in public by sending out works in progress that are kind of half failures. Uh, I don't have any problem with that at all. It's never been a thing for me. But to be fair and honest to to uh, where I find myself in the world, at my age and my experience, I haven't done it yet. Honestly. That's very cool. Genuinely. Yeah. Who, who are some of your favorite comic book artists all time. Oh, Give me like your top three. My top three uh, is Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby and Jack Kirby. Solid <laughs> <laughs> choices. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, there's others. I mean, there's there's everyone from Mobius to Juan Jimenez to Jeff Darrow, Art Adams, Will Eisner, John Byrne, Gabriel Delato. I mean, uh, the list is 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 myriad. It's multitude. But uh, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, and Jack Kirby. Oh, you can definitely tell Jack Kirby in that haha -ha variant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like him. Doesn't that just scream, Jack? Oh, yeah, uh, completely. <laughs> I've, never, I've never tried to ape um, Jack's aesthetic because I think Jack was the only artist creating in 4D. Like, he, he was a different animal entirely. Uh, I, I, I think we're still basically breathing his fumes at this at this juncture he created the form language of comics his power is is untouchable is the majesty of that work and just the casual genius of his work silver surfer is my favorite character and just casually threw it out there uh it, it's extraordinary i have one character darth revan that i designed with a bunch of other people who helped make that character come alive jack blew this shit out in a bedroom with one bookshelf and like three books and no reference. Extraordinary. And he was really pages upon pages a week, you know, just massive amounts of work. And I met him in, in San Diego uh, in 1989. And I tell you how fucking nervous I was. I'm not nervous meeting anybody. I work with, with movie stars all the time. It's no big deal. They're just people doing their job. And it just happens to be a very public one. But because it was so close to me and such a part of my DNA uh, that I, I was I was tongue-tied. I literally <laughs> nothing to say. I was like, Mr. Kirby, And Jack looks up at me, kind of arts his eyebrows, like, what's your name, kid? <laughs> I was like, my name is Joe. <laughs> I just turned into a mush mouth. I could 
You know, uh, no silver tongue devil that day. I, just, I like comics. Dude, and that was the same day, and this isn't even a bullshit story. That's the same day that Matt Groening and I, when he was still had his Simpsons on Tracy Allman's show, we were sitting beside each other in the pro room, and we both held each other's hands when Jules Pfeiffer walked in the room. <laughs> we were both like, holy fuck, Jules Pfeiffer. Uh, <laughs> It was nice to that people are starstruck, but I was truly immobilized. Like I was just, <laughs> and and Jack is a relatively small guy. Like I'm six two, and I had like a good, like over half a foot on him. And Roz says, "Jack, he's a nice boy. You can tell. Just sign this." <laughs> it's like, all right, kid. What's your name? <laughs> Whatever you say it is, sir. Yeah. Like my you know, my 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 throat froze up. I was just like I was meeting a godlike being is what it amounted to. The me. same thing happened to me with Tom McFarlane, but that was only like eight years ago. <laughs> I was like, I was like 34 or something. Well, I have had lots of good talks. I, re I really enjoy bullshitting with him. But uh yeah, that was the only time I've ever been, you know, truly like <laughs> and you know, I was a little nervous with Will Eisner too, honestly. Uh, a little bit nervous there. A little bit nervous with Gil Kane, but not like with Jack. Jack was like, <laughs> "I wish I could tell you a story where we were impressed and we we drank the night away." But we. <laughs> I think that uh, that type of story only happens with like Steranko or something like that. Like I always hear these great stories about Jim Steranko telling these great stories or, or stuff like that. There's certain there's certain artists out there that just love holding court, and there's certain artists that don't. And um, it's I just glad that uh, the cons are there or were there. I, I can hardly wait till they come back because being able to meet some of, um, you know, e even hearing you talk about it as a creator yourself, being able to meet some of these guys who you really look up to and you really admire their, their work is yeah. something that's very important. I think, um, I think it's, I think it's everything because we all, we all, and, and, and I agree with you that there are some artists who are very good at holding court and there's some who just aren't naturally, inclined and that's perfectly acceptable in my mind i mean you're i also believe that you're not allowed to complain that no one's coming to your booth if you're just sitting there staring down drawing honestly honestly yeah. like, yeah. cons are the one time when i'm not drawing i just want to like people try to leave my table i'm like oh no no you got to sit and listen to my fucking garbage for another few hours <laughs> but it's my time to one of my times to socialize and it's yeah. also as i said a, a fan first you know it should say that on my banner you know like and and they're always kind of some of them are really taken aback right they're like why would you like my work i was like what are you talking about you're just slaying this shit like are you kidding me yeah but you do that stuff and that's i'm just doing different work than you it's not better just doing it different than than you do, and sometimes they're just like, "Oh, uh, do you want to do an art swap?" And I said, "You're in Bradstreet for Christ's sake! What are you talking about?" Doing? <laughs> uh, but it, it is—it's an honor. Like it's an honor to walk amongst your your heroes, and some of them have become good friends of mine. Like it, you just—I had no idea that that's just what happened. And yeah, cons when they come back, I can't wait. 
Yeah. It used to be one of the highlights of my my yearly uh, you know excursions out into the world was going to a nice big show and getting to hang out. And I don't give a damn if I make a buck or if I make ten thousand dollars. I don't care. What I care about is the connecting to fans and because well, we just nerd out. And then I said, "Oh, you want to buy print?" And they're like, "Yeah, I'll take like 20." Yeah. Oh, I think cool. I think uh that's one of the biggest experiences we're all missing is just being able to go cuz I think cons once you get to especially for me, I get, and I know a lot of these guys here, you get to a certain age and cons become more about just hanging out with your your friends and about going to get comics and stuff. But, well, I want to remind everybody to go check out John's IG. It's on Uncanny Knack on IG. You guys, uh, you're welcome for, uh, if you guys aren't already uh, subscribe or uh, uh, following his IG, uh, make sure you guys go do it now. Uh, like I said, you're welcome for, for doing so. It is an amazing page. And um, he's going to hang out for a little bit with us, and we're just going to kind of get onto the show and uh, talk about some stuff. Of course, we've got the market report coming up, and, uh, ben C is going to open up a uh, a oh, live unboxing. Oh, oh. Ben S C. So, oh my god! Oh my god! What? Even I caught, even I caught that. <laughs> one. <laughs> Different Ben. No big deal. All right. I wish I apart. I'm not There's a professional broadcaster. I thought I am. You're oh on too god. many shows, Brian. I'm on too many shows. I'm on too many shows. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and get into my segment. And I apologize, uh, Ben C. I apologize. Man, I'm hurt. <laughs> no respect. Like Rodney <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, one of the cool things that uh, happened over the weekend or the last couple of weeks is the the um, WandaVision stuff. And everybody's talking about the Easter eggs and the WandaVision stuff. And one of the things that uh, we've been doing lately is I've been trying to find these old um, – these old wizard magazines and one of the wizard magazines that uh, I found to go through um, is this issue. And this is from uh, January of 97. Uh, this is the 96 year in review spectacular and uh, it is issue number 65. And usually, you know, there's, there's multiple good, good things in old wizards. I, as I call them, they're the best shitter reading material out there. <laughs> there's You're nothing right. better. Yeah. And um, this one, you know, I'll, I'll just go through the, the hot 10 before I start real quick on uh, what what the, the coolest thing in this is, which you guys already see is this uh, Alex Ross piece on Kingdom Come. But I always like going through the hot 10 on these old ones. So number one, obviously, was Kingdom Come. Number two is Witchblade, number one. Number three is the Onslaught Marvel Universe, number one. Number four is Preacher, number one. Number five is X-Files, number one. Number eight is Witchblade, number two. Number, number, uh, sorry, number five is X-Files, number one. Number six is Preacher, number two. Number seven is Fantastic Four, number one, from the Heroes Return run. If you guys remember that, I think the, they're getting right back into some Heroes Reborn stuff. Witchblade, number two, is number eight. Hitman, number one, the uh, Batman issue where Batman uh, joins Hitman, which is a really sweet issue, is number nine. And Onslaught X-Men, number one, was number ten. But the coolest thing in this is, is this Alex Ross piece. And they get into, I don't know about you guys, but one of my all-time favorite Com pieces of comic anything is kingdom come it came out at a time where like i was really getting back into comics and like as, as a teenager and uh it was just perfect for me at that time um 
And I fell in love with uh, DC all over again with this book. And him and Mark Wade just really killed it. I, I hope most of you guys watching um, have read this book, but if not, shame on you. But one of the great things that Alex Ross does is he loves Easter eggs. And uh, I figured I'd bring up some of these with you guys, but he, he puts all these, these cool things in the background and, and I just love finding these things. So let's go ahead and get into this. One of them is that's really cool. If you guys remember the covers on Kingdom Come, they had these great covers with all the characters. And I remember reading this back in the day and finding out who some of these characters were in the background because, you know, some of them are, are children of uh, former of heroes, you know, gone heroes or characters that you wouldn't expect being in that role. And this issue actually, you know, tells you who each character is um, on each cover, which is really cool. Uh, I, I love this series. I remember seeing the specter uh, early on and just freaking out like how badass that specter was and the posters that they put out with these series. I think we all remember those big, huge door frame posters that they put out and yeah. um, just really cool stuff. Um, loved it but here is the first like uh, cool easter eggs that i found that uh, i wanted to go through um one of them that they talk about that's cool is how he likes to throw in the old justice league uh stuff from the like the cartoon like the legion of doom place and the justice the hall and you can see in this uh in this little page there's the justice league uh hall there and uh he likes to put characters from, you know, different characters in the background and one of the cool ones that i thought was jack o'hallahan 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 Jack O'Hallahan, I think that's how you say his name, who played uh, uh, the, not Zod, who was the, the kind of dumb one in Superman 2? Zod. So <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I just can't think of the name. Yeah, well, there he is right there in the upper right, and I thought that was kind of cool. He, he likes to put Bjork and stuff, which was interesting. <laughs> Oh, okay. The dumb one. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, the Jack O'Hallorhan is the guy that played him. And if you guys don't know, his dad was a mafia Don crime boss um, that he nobody ever really knew about. And uh, if you ever uh, run into Jack O'Hallorhan, ask him about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and he'll tell you who did it. Um, but Bjork, man, that is a rabbit hole I was not expecting. <laughs> 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 but but to see stuff like this i love this i love the the bjork stuff um he puts them in her in multiple panels she, she's in a crowd there um just a lot of cool stuff um did you guys ever know about these when you guys were reading them no 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 dude i only no clue dude no idea i only know like four from uh kingdom come like four or five yeah like the really uh obvious ones like this is a really obvious one. You guys can see he put Lobo in in the background here uh, of one of the he's he's the night the in the uh, nightclub scene, so um, which was kind of cool. He's got the Watchmen or not the Watchmen like all the uh, the characters that are like uh, Rorschach and the Invisible Man, uh, the Question in the background of all chilling with one. Um, just just I love stuff like this makes. It's kind of like those movies where you can watch them two, three, four times and still find new stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie Darko was always one of those movies for me and uh, just makes it interesting to go. If you guys ever get a chance, check out the, uh, the absolute edition of Kingdom Come with those big, huge, massive pages and beautiful, beautiful art printed, just amazing. 
Here's a cool one. Uh, one of my favorite characters is Dead Man. And the way that he depicted Dead Man in this was so cool. And the way that he explained like how Dead Man and why he looked that way is because it was Boston Brand finally finally realizing like his role and how he is dead and his acceptance of not coming back. And that's why he decided to look like a skeleton, um, which is really cool. I love that backstory of that type of stuff. Um, he put the Beatles in a lot of stuff you'll find the beetles and and stuff but he also put the monkeys in the top left you can see the monkeys uh in the background there behind some characters which was cool um a couple cool things that i I found really interesting is that uh he had um uh, the female uh, martian manhunter like this is the the first time there was a female martian manhunter and it's you know, supposed to be like his uh, Martian Manhunter's daughter because Martian Manhunter, if you remember in the story, was just a psychological wreck. Um, and they were just using him to just scour for information. And his daughter w- kind of like took over the role. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, oh, it, so that so that's her first appearance? I, well, I don't know, right? Like, parents. Yeah, Alert. I'm Key. like Topher. Yeah, I'm like Topher. <laughs> Go buy <As> it. Buy <laughs> it to read. Yeah. If you haven't read it, buy it to read. There's yeah. only one Topher. Yeah, there's only one Topher. And major key alert. Major key alert. <laughs> major key alert. <laughs> um, there was another really cool thing about... So in these issues, um, one of the cool things is that, if you guys don't know this, he kind of plays the whole Damien thing off um, where... Well, actually, before I get into this, this is a cool one. Sorry. If you look in the background, here you go, Z. You see the Mar- the Marvel family in the background there in the top of the top circle? You can see uh, um, Freddie and Mary in the back left. But then the front, is Ki- they call him King Marvel, and it's Elvis. And do you know why it's Elvis? John well, should know that. Well, because uh, Captain Marvel Jr. was inspired. No, Elvis inspired his jumpsuits on Captain Marvel Jr. Exactly. So Alex Ross made a, one of the characters – king marvel based on and that's why he looks like elvis so i thought that was kind of cool a little harken back um another one is the play on uh talia and um how uh they went back and if if you go into that into kingdom come there's a character that is that that they don't call him Damien. Uh, I forget what they call him. I'm trying to find exactly um, what they what they call him. But it was the first time that character kind of had grown up and became a uh, a Bat Family character, which is really interesting. So um, I don't know if if this will ever be you know something that people will look at and maybe have some type of Damien thing. I doubt it. But it's just cool that he brought it up, you know, way before. Batman 655 and the Grant Morrison run and, you know, played off the Son of the Demon stuff, which is really freaking cool. Um, John, have you ever hidden any things in any of your stuff? No. <laughs> no. Uh, well. <laughs> Time to start. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'll, I'll play this card. <laughs> uh, during, when I'm working on shows, uh if I'm doing big environments or anything else, which is a fairly common thing that production illustrators do, 
I'll usually try to tell stories in the background, which aren't particularly, you know, controversial or anything. It's usually pretty benign. But I do like to put my own version of product placement back there. Like in posters, I'll put like my favorite bands. And, but I don't do to the degree that they did with, with Kingdom Come. These aren't, there's, this is more like cameos of my personal interest uh, rather than, you know, clearly things that are dovetailing with the narrative. I, I tend to avoid it uh, for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons, one because if I start, I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just get hooked on that. That'll be so much fun. Um, I oh, leave you're it gonna start doing it now. <laughs> yeah, no, I you know I do I do once in a while sneak in some snarky stuff. Uh, like for example, I did the uh, IMAX poster um, myself and Andy Fairhurst. Andy. Uh, won the poster contest for Fox when Fox, when Deadpool was still at Fox, and of course didn't hadn't been acquired by Disney yet. Um, he did. He won. It was on DeviantArt, and he won the contest, and I got second, which was like a bunch of money. But I didn't get to go to New York for the premiere. Uh, and in that, there's a bunch of things you can see the in the Deadpool poster. And mostly they're just fun things, but not anything that, you know, people can, you know, create a, a conspiracy around. There's, I got nothing. I'm not, the, I'm not really that guy. If, if I was doing my own project, uh, I would certainly, would certainly just pack it with all kinds of, of insider goodies. But um, I just love finding them. You know, I'm not an internet detective to the degree that, that some people are clearly very gifted at uh, and have a lot of spare time. I, uh, but I do enjoy it a great deal. Anytime I see, anytime I see uh, Easter eggs, we've put some in Flash. Pardon me, I've put some in Flash over the six seasons I was on the show. Um, there's a few things buried in the background, like World's Finest Coffee, things like that, like things that are specifically DC. Oh, cool. uh, that that stay in, but other than that, not not usually. Um, the interesting thing that they talk about is the I guess the character that is supposed to be Damien or the the son of Talia and and Bruce. Um, I can't say his name. Uh, Ibn Ufosh. So it's probably some type of takeoff on Rachel Ghoul. But that character that's supposed to be Damien or you know that child uh ends up growing up and falling in love with nightstar in kingdom come which wade uh and ross what um nightstar was the daughter of dick grayson and starfire so the damien character and dick grayson's daughter end up being a couple in this uh book which is interesting so i thought that was kind of cool um, and then, and there, uh, of course, you can see uh, the female uh, Martian Manhunter character. But one of the things that he loves to do, and this is kind of, it, we talked about the the cameos in the background. He likes to put um, people in the 
you know, comic creators in the background of his stuff. So you, you can see here, he's got a lot of the old school guys, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, Martin O'Dell, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, you know, like these, these Titans and they're all in the background, you know, behind characters and you have to really know what they look like to see them, which I thought was so cool that he did that. Um, I, you know, his character, the character designs are just gorgeous, but to have these, giving these people their due that some, some of these guys really didn't get their due until this time period, you know, when this book was coming out, which was amazing. Um, this one is kind of cool because this is, uh, you know, more little cameo stuff. Um, and you can see uh, the Nosferatu character he put in as one of the characters. He put in the Fat Albert gang in the bottom right uh, as uh, some characters in the background. Um I thought that was really cool. But if you guys ever get a chance, uh, like I said, wizards are amazing. They're one of the best uh, things to go out and search and, and find the history of comics. And this is the type of stuff I'm talking about. You know, you can go back even further, but the history of comics is something that we need to teach a lot of these new people in the community that are coming over to comics. You know, for whatever reason, in the last year we've really blown up, we've got a lot of new uh, hobbyists and and. I love learning and teaching about the history of comics. So here is the wizard. If you guys ever see it, you know, we all go to shops and they have old school wizards for a dollar and you could probably find this issue unopened. Uh, but it is the 96 year end spectacular uh, of wizard and uh, really cool stuff. Make sure you guys check it out. All right. Read that again and kind of uh, look for it now this time. Yeah, this there. We all love, I, I've talked about it before, I love those old magazines, Amazing Heroes, The Wizards, the Comics Interview, um, you know, the the comic scene. I remember Sean, uh, you know, talking in the day, scoring those old comic scenes magazines uh, and walking into my shop like the the week that you guys, you and Topher and everybody started talking about, you know, the, the early appearances of Harley and Venom in those comic scene magazines and just walking into a comic shop and they're just sitting there, you know, out, you know, people have walked across them for years, but that that's the history of comics. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Fine. There you go. There you go. Beautiful. I'm reorganizing and the magazine size happened to be sitting next to my desk. We did well, not know we were going to say that shit, but like, yeah, so this is really early Venom, um, and uh, yeah, this is tough. I think it's the only nine eight. Great Todd McFarlane. Cover. I know there's a. I know there's a. I know there's a. There's a nine six, and then I got one more sitting here. But, but this is the first Harley. There's two nine eights oh, in this. Oh wow! I love but, this one. Yeah, but I, uh, well, I sold the other one. So <laughs> <laughs> somebody else, I don't know, has the other one. Wow! Uh, unless somebody else created them, and I have some in my closet. I think are about as nice, and I'm really gonna. Uh, I'm probably gonna try to fix them up here pretty soon. Because might as well. But then again, if I if I did another uh, number two, like I couldn't say I had the only ninety, even though I would have only two. <laughs> Stop saying. At least at least CGC is grading the ma the larger size books now, um, which is a big deal, especially for me being a magazine lover. You know those old Warrior magazines and and the deadlines and stuff like that. Um, I love that stuff. So. And I just happened to find all my wizards in the garage as well. So kind of perfect time. Yeah. So there's like a stack. And then I found some in a box that I bought. My a friend had bought it. At, uh, he got some stuff at a, like a clearance garage sale. And someone was keeping a bunch of um, a good amount of wizards. But he buy multiple copies. There was that like really good. I think it might have been Alex Ross. It's like a Cyclops cover. Yeah. 
And then another one, actually, I don't remember which issue it is, but it has the ghost in ghost in the shell um, preview. Uh, yeah, little preview or ash can or whatever, you know. So I I found those, but like the the ghost in the shell ones, I probably won't I probably won't open. But a lot of those covers are are pieces of art by some of the biggest, most uh, collected artists in the game that were only put on those wizards. They didn't release them for anything else. A lot of Casada, yeah. Joe Casada artwork, Alex Ross, Adam Hughes, J. Scott Campbell, early J. Scott Campbell stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's still iconic. The Wizard one with the uh, with Spidey in there with the with the whole as a Spidey is a wizard. It's like it's the best the best first cover you could ever hope for in like any type of business you would ever be in. Yeah, is what they actually were able to accomplish with their first issue. Yeah, that San Diego Comic Con uh, handout. Uh, is oh, the one yeah. to get right well yeah of course but i love that one still. and i think in, in a lot of them if you guys ever find that book the actual wizard number one with the, the san diego comic-con stamp if you open it up and the poster's still intact a lot of those were signed by mcfarland the posters were actually mm -hmm. signed because they were given out at the con and he was there so um i love stuff like that but yeah uh mm -hmm. Wizard Magazine, um, one of the greatest things ever. We'd all run to the store and, and pop that thing open and go straight to like the top, the hot 10. And I remember, uh, uh, you know, highlighting the books that I wanted to get, you know, in the future and just fun stuff. Um, now that we have the internet and places like comicbookinvest.com, you know, there, there are wizards now, just like art, like we were talking about earlier, art going from the digital to the I mean, from from you know, pen and ink to to digital, a lot of these places you know online now are are wizards today. So, all right, John, you want to get into some some market report stuff or Stein? What do you say we open up? Uh, open up. Let's uh, do the market report, and then we can just open up all the fun stuff. Okay. All right. We'll get this out it. of the way. All right. It was not really get out of the way. I think people like this. They do. I but do. I, but then we can do all the pickups and showing off the fun stuff. All right, you got it, Z. Yeah, I got it. This this one I had. Nico's not even here, but he's the one that keeps talking about this dang stupid Marvel team ups one thirty one first white rabbit in the. This is the third sale in the last eighteen months near a grand. It's actually the lowest because one was a thousand, one was eleven hundred, and this is nine hundred. There was originally two or three nine eights. Now there's twenty some. I, I have no idea who keeps paying for this book, but they're psycho like Nico. I just, every time I see it, I point it out because it makes my head hurt. Wait, so is it first appearance? Of or somebody called the White Rabbit. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm sure I can't see the, the black. I'm sure it's a tough 9-8, but it's also one of those where it's like, who the hell was ever going to grade that in the first place? You yeah, know what I mean? I it's like it's just like so yeah there's probably not a line of 9.8s until people start realizing nobody's opened that thing up in a long time so there's probably some more 9.8s coming down the pipe it, it's grown hugely there was three or four now there's 20 some so <sighs> okay i just keep watching see when it falls but whatever um i got a row of books that i'm honestly surprised on prices moon night one this was a forever 100 to 125 150 book uh, this one was 500, but it sold as high as 600 in the last uh, couple months. A low in the past year of 165. There are now 831.98s. This is a book that I remember thinking I'll buy a few at 100 bucks and thinking, no, what's my top out? 200, 250? Mm. No, so many of them. I, I think the number of 
the idea of too many of anything now is irrelevant. Like with ASM 300 and Carnage and all those things, there's so many of them, but they keep going up. So I, I think we just have to get the idea of commonality out of our head on some of these things. Did I got like three or four of those untouched and I, pretty sure i'm gonna go ahead and see actually take them out and see if i can press and grade them for 500 bucks for, for a three dollar book sounds pretty good right now. yeah they're crazy <laughs> i i remember trying to get a 9.8 and i said eh, i'm not more chasing anymore it's not enough money um another one on that list uh nico and i were talking about this one maybe a year ago nine, nah, maybe the summer even um first bishop is floating in the 275 range a little more um, newsstands actually are pushing 450. I don't think I realized there was a newsstand until recently, um, but it was hovering around 125 and 150 last year. So again, another book where huge supply, but the demand keeps outpacing the supply. What about the gold one? People are crazy I, enough now that that's probably sell for 800 bucks, right? Well, I would think the Carnage would be the first one to go up, and I don't see that one going yet. What? Yeah, or the New Mutants 87, but uh, yeah. Gold Carnage is the hottest of the three, but yes. Dude, remember he, when the hype was because he was already in the movie? Yeah. And then he didn't have like that big a role in the movie. He had about four now, seconds. And now out of nowhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I know. Okay. I know. This one is an interesting one is the first appearance of Sword, which is tied to Wandered Vision and all that. I hate you. I've been looking for one of these cheap. Now it's not going to be cheap. Um, three hundred dollar nine eight apparently. Uh, last in twenty nineteen, it was maybe a fifty dollar book. There are yeah. now two hundred and six in nine eight. There is one nine nine. I think this book does benefit from a really beautiful cover that is unrelated to the appearance, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, crazy that it's that big a book because that's not a low printed book. Um, but thankfully, there's a good Colossus cover on it. Vancouver comic junkie, nice sale, my friend. Isn't that isn't that honestly though? Isn't isn't is it just the cameo verse? Isn't Bishop in uh was it two seventy one the book before? That's not even his first appearance, right? I know it's his first cover and his coming out party. Yeah, it's so. like it's the it's the whole one eighty one theory. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I just inform people, so now they'll yeah. since they don't know why they're spending that much money on it, they'll go spend it on two seventy one. I guess they won't two eighty one, but yes. <laughs> Spider-Man, Amazing Friends. This is a book I remember I had two nine-eights of, and I got tired of holding, and I got annoyed because I did love this series, and I just kept a raw at some point because I'm like, I, I can buy other books with this. Um, it was like 150 bucks forever, forever. Uh, 2019, it was pushing 250. The 90-day average is three, I'm sorry, 537, and this set a record at, oh, this was the record at 537, but it's the new average. Um, first appearance of Firestar, and there's 134 nine eights. But man, they're selling quite a few. So out of 134 nine eights, I think there's like 30 selling a year. So it's moving pretty rapidly. We ever see Firestar in anything? There was rumors of something. I don't even remember what caused it. I I don't. I think to me the appeal of this book is more nostalgia than the appearance of that character. Yeah, I know. I watched it. What year did the show religiously? Oh, from oh, from being the show. What year was this comic? Early eighties. Okay. Did you did you did you pick up the comics or are you just talking about the show? 
I never picked up the comics. I didn't yeah. know much it's about the comics. Shot. Yeah, until way later uh, in life. I love that Green Goblin cover, though. That's like a yeah. For some reason, I really like that Green Goblin. Yeah, it, it was an iconic one. I kept a raw one, thinking I don't need a nine eight. Now I'm like, damn it. Um, another one, supply demand story. New Mutants ninety eight, a newsstand sold for almost twenty six hundred dollars. What? Yeah. GPA record on that one. It's been trending up. The standards are back up to fifteen hundred, which is you know uh, higher than the high back at the movie time. So him going to MCU is just uh, <laughs> dude. Three, on the fire. three months ago, you could have got Mark Jewelers nine eight for that. And everybody yeah, thought everybody was fucking crazy. I listed my Mark Jewelers for 10 grand and nobody wanted to pay it. And I said, it's going, I bought the new house and I said, it's going back in the safe. And it's not seeing the light of day. Yeah. Good so. plan. <laughs> good, good plan. Another, I, this is a little trend of this week. High sales that just keep going, going. Miles is back up. Uh, you could have gotten one of these for a little under a grand at the end of the year. It's trending back up to fifteen hundred plus. There was actually a higher sale than this at fifteen twenty-five after I found this guy. So he is back to all-time highs. Um, more miles, more miles, more miles. This one is uh, all-time high. The last sale before this was about a hundred less. Um, could have had it for one hundred thirty-five at the beginning of twenty twenty. What the interesting thing to me is, is the uh, the sketch version, the Pacelli sketch, which is so rare, we rarely see it. Uh, last sale of any of them on GPA was 2015, an 8.5 sold for $2,700. Uh, and the last time a 9.8 sold was 2013 for $1,000. At that time, the 1 and 25 was probably a $50 book. If one of these came to market, it would be probably a 10 to 20K book. Yeah, I know uh, the 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 guy that I sold that D twenty three sketch to um, for like whatever it was eight or nine eight or nine uh, has has the sketch nine eight yeah. this Good. but he uh, he owns like a jewelry store and or like a, like a jewelry outlet in Alabama. I'm pretty sure he's not selling anything. No, that's one of those books you just hold and hold and hold because like we yeah. talked about the Divergec. No, that's the Grail. Yeah, we talked about this being a ghost like just years and years ago. They don't come up. I quit looking. No, There's they one on eBay right now for thirty six nine. It's a nine. It's a thirty nine 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 thirty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine bucks. It's a nine six. Yeah, well, dude, screw it. Hey, man, <laughs> give it a whirl, right? Wow, <laughs> a you got to reach yeah. for the stars. Oh, of course, that's a little high. But who knows? Right day, it might not be. Uh, yeah, I'm just. Hey, I'm just reporting the news, boys. I'm. Yeah. At least there's one up. I mean, a lot of times there's not one up. Uh, I don't even like talking about this book, but it continues to go up and sell well. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I did find something weird of Miles that uh, you PlayStation guys maybe know something about. There is a minifigure from the PS5 games. It's called a sweepstakes giveaway prize with a retail value of $4.99, $4.99 from the letter that comes with it. Uh, there have been five or six sales, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 plus. So if you happen to win that sweepstakes, there's some money in this uh, Lego figure. This is kind of interesting because with John talking earlier about you know being in, in the video game world, one of the things that we've been seeing a lot in the last couple of years is video game comics 
uh, are selling really well, um, especially some of the rarer ones that uh, come in, you know, freebies or, or, you know, certain special editions. It's unbelievable what they sell for nowadays. This reminds me of the Travis Scott drops, like when he drops, like when he was uh, doing that deals with McDonald's and he was dropping yeah. like exclusives on his website and stuff. Reminds me of that stuff. So if you guys haven't watched the, the recent episode of Global Comic Safari, something blew my mind upon blowing my mind. There's a guy that collects Spider-Man 1, the McFarlane issue. Yep, I know him. And there's, <laughs> there's a video game that came out in like 20 different foreign countries and different things. And he's like, one's a Commodore. I'm like, what? Like, it is a foreign Spider-Man in Germany and all these other things folded over in a box of, like, probably five and a half, or was it five and a quarter inch floppy disc fucking boxes, and and he bought a, a graded one, and I'm like, is that even possible? So there's weird, weird stuff out in the world, and it's an ASM, or it's a Spider-Man 1 um, edition, and you're like, what? I actually have it uh let me see here i have i have it pulled up i'm gonna i'm gonna turn this over here this is uh him talking about it if you want to take that take your uh, image down there john yeah don't yeah don't go too far into it but yeah that's it's worth going yeah. what the heck is this yeah there you guys can see he's holding it he's holding it up and that that's pretty darn cool that i agree with you john this was one of the coolest things i've ever seen so i didn't know they did promo comics back then yeah make sure you guys check out that issue that episode <laughs> And I'm like, to find an unopened box from that long ago from a foreign country. Yeah. Crazy. All these things expand it to being so complicated to find. You're like, what? Um, this is one's from my friend Paul here. This <laughs> is the uh, TNMT number three NYCC layered variant. There is a little color differentiation in the, there's like a sign in the background that says layered's place or layered pizza and one the traditional is in dark black or blue and the uh the this variant that was at nycc that year was in white um there are um it's a new high last year of two sales 800 and 1800 this year it's 22 or 21 and change there's about 10 percent of this versus the traditional on the census so 167 versus 1800 plus of the regular, I, I honestly think the regular is probably undergraded, so probably the the percentage of these is less. I I want to say I heard five hundred is a number on that book. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard too. Yep, it's a it's they call it the photo variant. It's Laird's photo in the background. Yeah, is the name of the shop. But um, yeah, it's five hundred. So white. Yeah, white on the layered. I don't think this is it. Uh, let's see, Sean. Hold on. I can't we'll get, see. Get it up at the top. That's yeah, funny. that's it's got to be much. It's yeah, whiter it's, than that. It's more stark okay. white. It's actually white, white. Yeah. Yeah. On the name layered itself is white, and then photo is um, mostly blue. The, the P okay. is white for sure. Uh, just just yep. check in, and if the person I just pressed this for is uh, listening, uh, they should be out tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> um, this is a ghost no, of what we've talked about before. Hellboy the Fury Three variant. Um, it's a I mean, no version cover. I, we've talked about some raw sales because I haven't seen it graded in a while. Uh, 45 total copies graded, 7 and 9 8. Last GPA, last time a GPA 9 8 track was 2018. It was a 570 sale. This one was 1600. 
I mean, if you're a Hellboy fan, this is this is one of those books that like you have to own. Hmm. Yeah, outside of first appearance type stuff, this is this is like their grail. So hell of a nice sale for a character that's kind of cold at the moment. Uh, speaking of cold, this book. I, this book was a twelve hundred dollar book two years ago. That's ice cold. Wow. I if I would have seen it, I would have bought it and not thought twice. Um, there was a twelve hundred dollar sale last in twenty nineteen, January sixth. There was an eight hundred dollar sale. This just must have got missed in the world of too much stuff to sell for four hundred and some dollars because that's a crazy price for a beautiful Campbell color cover, one of his best. Yeah, that I mean it. it it's a great cover and it's gone down in all honesty it maybe maybe google plus being gone might have hurt hmm. business a little bit well, i just think that some of these things just aren't talked about anymore there's so much variant covers so much exciting stuff going on that new stuff that some of these older things that were like at the top of the the hill a few years ago just they're lost in the shuffle so maybe it's time to look back at some of these books and grab a few because the cream yeah. tends to rise to the crop on some of this stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd be in on that at 470 all day. I'd almost be in it at eight. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm just throwing that. Out. I only did one foreign comic this week. Um, I think Nico found this guy. Uh, Valiant Harbinger One, the DMG Chinese uh, editions. There, I know there's a Bloodshot. I know there's this one. Um, I didn't. Even, I couldn't track down pricing on it. it hurt my head. Uh, but yeah, they did. Chinese editions of these pretty rare to find and hard to find. My friend Josh from the uh, Global Comics Safari also told me that there's some uh, bootlegs of the original version of uh, the Valiant Universe. I didn't even know they existed, so look forward to trying to hunt those down. Like the the OG '90s one, there were some bootleg Chinese ones. So China loves their Valiant. Uh, obscure book of the week: Space Usagi uh, Ash Can. Um, I had to do a little Googling on this one because I had never seen this book. So Recalled Comics, who we reference often, is my source. So thank you for whatever you have found. It appears the print run is maybe 500 to 1,000. It was given out at a con in 1993. At least one con is the quote. Mm -hmm. uh, but this guy, I couldn't find a lot of sales data on it, but um, almost $1,000 for an ash can, so... If you're in the con circuit in 93, maybe dig in your stuff and see if you got it. Uh, this is a book that probably Ben S. here has started to escalate further because he's got the 9.6 on eBay that CGC labeled first red X, who is appearing in the uh, DC future state. Uh, that that Just seeing that label, I've seen it already on the, the Facebook group. I've seen it a few places, has made this book go from a $100 to $150 book to this one sold for uh, over 200 and Ben's nine six is selling is already at two hundred plus. I saw with some days to go. So that is not mine. Mine no, is yours. Yours is the nine six, isn't it? Yeah, mine is a nine six. But actually, but that that one's going to somebody. Oh, so yours is not up. Mine is not up because it's not well, up. it's it's not up now. I took it. I took it down because it's part of the uh, the packs. Oh, maybe somebody, I got it. Oh wow! Some, somebody's gonna get it. I was a little disappointed. My packs didn't show up today. Oh, uh, you can blame my wife. Oh, I'm out. out. Yeah, I'm out of. I get yeah, no. Some of them are, um, but I'm out I'm of like, town. So it's from over here, man. I'm like, this stuff gets here quick from over there. <laughs> we're, we're like two hours away. Um, 
man, I hope we get that one. I love that book, but um, yeah. So another reason, if you haven't bought them, you should buy some of Stein's. A um, couple Golden Age books, because God dang, I like it. Um, Famous Funnies, 216. We've talked about how the last couple in the run just sell for more. This is actually my least favorite cover of the whole run. Um, I don't know why. It just, I don't like it. <laughs> it's the first one I owned and a, one I've sold twice. And I own a copy just to have the run. Um, but $1,000 for a 9.4. There are only 40 graded copies in the census. And a whole lot of them are four and below. So this is a tough, 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 tough book. Um, and that's all I got to say on that. But, you know, if you're collecting the run, you got to have it. There's there's five there's there's five universal nine fours and one SS nine four. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine there, having an SS nine four. Hey, I've got my SS Rosetta, man. Well, yours is. I'd rather have yours than an SS nine four of that book, but like still, Fair. a nine a nine four is. Yeah, I would take any SS Rosetta because there's a hundred roughly. Yeah, there you go. Hey, do do you know it's a Frazetta SS? No, there? no, I I no, of course not. UGT <laughs> doesn't give you good information like that. I'm pretty sure that one is. Uh, the, I, the I would other, imagine. Who the hell else would? Uh, the the common one that the, pops the, up the guy who, the is Feldstein on some. Feldstein, okay. Feldstein's on some, and then if you do Vampy, then you got Adams. Because he's on the interior. It's his first interior, early interior. He's popular there. Um, I, who doesn't like Ace the Bat Hound? A thousand dollar sale on a raw listed as five oh. It's actually right at GPA if you're grading it. So not a super steal, but a great fun book. Uh 151 on the census. Um two more. I skipped a couple, that's all right. Uh this haunted chills um six. There's twenty-six on the census of this book. A Carl Bargos cover, a beautiful skull cover with a top hat. Um, 26 on the census, I say again. A 4 old sold in 2019 for $710. A 6-0 sold in January for $3,100. This is a 3-0 in less than two years, almost tripled. So scarce, scarce book. People are really kind of apparently drawn to with skull cover. Um, so that's a, that's a nice gain on that book. Weird. Last book of the day. One of the grail upon grails of the, uh, Batman collectors. Detective 168, the first, uh, red hood. Wow. Um, this actually, when I got looking at it was a deal and I punched Nico for not buying cause he's been talking about this book. A four five sold in January for fifteen hundred. This is a five five for less than fifteen hundred. Uh, a six five sold in November for thirty one thousand. There's only one hundred and fifty nine in the census total. That's restored, qualified, and everything. Wow. Um, so this really feels like a value. I don't know if maybe I didn't scan the pictures real well. Maybe it's not the prettiest five five. It's an odd picture to show, but you know the five five doesn't have nearly the the beat up point is some of the lower grades. So this feels like a hell of a deal for whoever bought it. And that's what I got. Very cool. Awesome. That is very cool. Hey, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys, I, you know, I always talk about sports cards and stuff, but if you guys, have, if you follow sports cards, the eighties and nineties sports cards that we used to think were hyper overprinted or whatever, 
are worth just ridiculous. Like even early two thousand stuff. Like, I mean, just the base Steph Curry's and base Kevin Durant's and stuff. I mean, there was a uh, I was, there was an auction of Steph Curry's tops. A PSA ten was like over six grand for. I mean, for base tops. So, if you know anything about cards, like tops is just kind of just the base. It's not like a super high end product or anything like that, but anything from those years are just skyrocketing. So I'm not surprised to see new mutants 98 going crazy as well, because like John said, their print run really doesn't even matter anymore on these mega keys. It just, it doesn't matter. Man, my, my goal last year was to buy a new mutants 98 uh, every, every month. And I bought none. <laughs> way to follow through, Sean. Yeah, man. I was like, this is an easy way to do it. Quit buying ten dollars shit. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you could easily you could easily get like just um, very fine or better raws for like two or three hundred bucks. Like yeah. any almost any Sunday at auction, and that's apparently those days are passing. And you know what I mean? This generation's dead uh, Spider Man, basically. So, yep. All right, Stein, you ready? Ready to uh, oh, wow, yeah. razzle dazzle them with? Uh... Well, uh, so what's up? He got a he got a CGC sub. No, yeah. no, 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 no. This is a uh, Dennis oh. uh, Dennis Barter from uh, Dino's Dino's buddy up there in. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there in no, Michigan. Yeah. He, so he. Where's he at? Where's he at tonight? Every time I'm on here, he's on here. Yeah. Oh. So the. So these are the two packs he bought was number oh, 14, 14 41. and 41. So I have no idea what's in here, but he wanted them open live. Um, but if you check out it, go, or if you want stuff, um, go check out his website. What is it? Wonder World Comics? Yeah, yeah Wonder World Comics. Does, he has a YouTube channel, too, um, that he's uh, doing stuff on, too. So check that out. Um, yeah, and for anybody who's bought these, um, some of the uh, shipping labels, I've, I've sent uh, some labels out. Um, I'm out of town, so my I'm I'm sending the labels to my wife, so she's she's printing them off. Um, so as soon as I get some of these other ones, um, you if you've paid, you'll get your uh, you'll get your notification here within the next probably 24 48 hours at the latest. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm interested. So this one's number 14, so I'm interested to see what's in these because I really don't know either. And we'll just, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him to get bad books, so that way I have a better chance of getting better books. Well, <laughs> hey, <that's laughs> the, the the one the one last week was was just okay. I mean, it wasn't anything great. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I there are still a few left. There, are, I think there's ten ten packs left, but um, you'll probably know here probably within the next week or so. Who you know? Who or what you know was pulled? And how can they get those packs uh, that are left, Ben? Um, send me a message on Instagram at the Wall Comics. And all right, so let's see what we got. I have no idea what's in here. Okay, that's not a very good one. Imagine Agents number one. Uh oh. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. Oh boy! Oh wow! That's nice. <laughs> yeah, that oh, magic doesn't look good, but that one just, is. Just send it to half price. Skip the middleman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Fallout Four. Um, 
So that's what I get. Just talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got Hawkeye eleven pizza dog, pizza dog, pizza dog, and a uh, Virgin uh, Z Nation. But Dude, I the best part is you still put three other books in there. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. no one was bitch if you like they only got that book. Yeah, you know? well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you still got another pack to open too, yeah, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That was number. That was number fourteen. Damn it! Um, I knew I should have picked fourteen. <laughs> and he uh, called that like right as you you announced them. He's like, "I want fourteen and 41. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see. What we got in pack number two here. Yeah, and he got a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> nice pull. <laughs> Yeah, I, I told you, I tried to pack some really good books besides... Here's the Pacelli sketch variant. <laughs> <laughs> and Dennis, I'll, uh, I'll get these shipped out to you. Or you can... All right, here we go. Let's see what's in pack number 41. All right, first book. I have no idea. A Deceased... That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And I think that's Anacleto. Um, Invisible Iron Man number one. Right, I just Iron bought Heart. 20 of those. A Batman and Robin Adventures number 21. Nice book. Yeah. Never seen one of those in a while. Not and me. an Inhumans versus X Men Del Otto. Hmm. Nice. I think is that, that ultimate con, is, that, is that a con uh, exclusive or no? Wait, did I or, miss something? Did yeah. you miss? It? Yeah, you, oh, missed you it. were gone. You were yeah. gone. Did oh, you the miss first it? Pack? Nah, man. What did he get? She has show. Yeah. No, it doesn't see here. No big deal. Dang it, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this one was actually a pretty good pack too. That. That Batman and Robin Adventures is pretty nice. Um, yeah, those are nice. Yeah. So, anyways, that's uh, if you haven't seen what that, those are kind of the that's a that's a pretty typical um, pack right there. You know, thirty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, <laughs> that was uh, that was surprising. Um, I wasn't expecting that, but uh, well, good for you, Dennis. And. Uh, I'm sure probably everybody else is pissed, but oh well. Nah, I'm, <laughs> good. I'm good. Before we uh, go get get through a couple, of, you guys have any anybody have, have any pickups for tonight? I got pickups. Okay, yeah. we'll get before we get to pickups, uh, and and then uh, we'll end out the show after that. I want to talk about something uh, since we still have John here. That was kind of cool that uh, happened with Drew and Wanted Comics and that that awesome Ha Ha cover. Uh, one of the things that Drew did is put up a set for charity on eBay. And uh, this charity went, uh, it gave all the proceeds to cancer uh, research, um, which is, is really cool. We've all had somebody that we know um, and love be affected by, you know, you know cancer. And, and it's, it's absolutely horrible. And anytime uh, anybody's doing stuff like this, um, you know, we all appreciate, especially us that have been, you know, touched by this this shitty disease. But three hundred and fifty five dollars uh, for this set 
that uh, went to um, cancer research is pretty damn cool. And uh, we just want to give a shout out again uh, to Drew uh, Lujan at Wanted Comics for doing stuff like this. And that's got to be pretty cool seeing something, uh, some of your work uh, getting sold like this for, for charity there, John. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I love what you guys do. Uh, and and, I'm, and I'm, I'm good friends with Vancouver Comic Junkie with Chris. Nice. Uh, so he's kind of been the tip of the spear as far as breaking it wide open for me because I'm interested now in becoming more of a student of, of the collecting game. And uh, I, I think anytime it goes to charity or to children, it's immediately elevated far above, you know, kind of the, the, the purchase and selling of, yeah. of comics because I, I place that at a different at a different level and uh, like you and like many of us uh we know either directly or indirectly uh people have been been either taken by this disease or have been impacted by it and i 100 percent of the time you get behind um helping out whenever you can and i love the name of the charity that it went to it went to barbells for boobs yeah, uh, so <laughs> I like that. And it sends, yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> it's it sends a, a trainer equipment and equipment to a survivor to get them back on their feet, which is yeah. really important. Um, and it's something that I've I've talked about before. Uh, sometimes um, when a person survives cancer, their life isn't that great, and um, they go through some some serious depression and a big life change, and. Uh, helping those people uh, is just as important um, that, that survive cancer. So shout out to uh, everybody involved in that charity that are doing good things and, and shout out to everybody that uh, put bids on this uh, listing. Uh, pretty damn cool. So yeah. much love for that. Great to see. Yep. All right. Who wants to go first for pickups and then we'll call it a night. Can I go? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. All right. Um, I got a, I got a heck of a fun pick up from this mic we a lot of foreign sorry as usual um this one i've been waiting on i ordered uh this from uh, parallel urban in turkey our friends over there from global comics fari uh this is the uh gildry sinar edition of immortal hulk one the trade it is a trade but uh this is limited to 500 and what is freaking awesome about this it's a stranko homage but it glows in the dark. If you haven't checked it out, check it out on my IG. And I think Define Triple Nine put it up as well. It it is the Gray Hulk edition, but it is a uh, glow in the dark Hulk. Yeah, so that's awesome. Can't go wrong. Uh, also bought a random Turkish book from him. It is the uh, Death of Gwen Stacy uh, scene on a uh, Turkish comic. So kind of cool. I just like the art. I don't even know what's inside yet, but uh, I thought it was fun. Won a fun auction as well. This is a uh, Australian super adventure comics with Superman and the Batplane. That's interesting. A 7.5, which is pretty nice copy from an Australian book from uh, no date. I, these are generally from the 50s from... Uh, Murray Publishing, um, a non kind of canon cover. I'm sure it's stories from the early 50s. 
Um, but I got this for about a hundred bucks, so I was pretty happy about that. That's a good deal. That's what I thought too. Those, I mean, you've got a couple of those Australian ones, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I've got about six or eight of just the, of the Batman ones, and the re, they were reprinted um, only like a year or two later. Also, yeah, they're not far off. Uh, yeah, Atari's are pretty cool books. And they're all yellow. Yeah. Uh, so the the next two are are freaking awesome. E-ball Brazilian Daredevil one. Oh wow! Uh, awesome. Red costume still. Um, Colors still pop nice on that too. Yeah, this is a beautiful. I mean, it's not a high A grade, but it's a beautiful copy, um, especially considering it came from the climate of Brazil. Um, they're generally printed within two years in Brazil. They're pretty close, a lot of them. Um, so, very very happy with this one. The other one. ASM one Brazilian, also a very pretty looking copy. Not you know not a perfect copy by any means, but for what it is, it's fantastic. It is not the first time Spider Man appears in Brazil. Uh, he actually their first one is in an issue of quote Thor with Spider Man on the cover, but it's a non key issue just kind of thing. But this is the actual reprinting of Spider Man number one. That's pretty early on in their uh, love of Marvel, so. Very happy to get that one. And that's it. Not bad. Not bad. Who's next? I can do a few. Okay. Because I'm stuck up here in uh, up in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, no one likes Ohio. But... Somebody said you outpicked the uh, Cleveland boys. The Cleveland uh, boys. Yeah, I will not. True. I will avoid the uh, books I bought yesterday. I bought a, t- a huge run of like Spawn from like the two fifties or something like that. Um, got those all at cover price and stuff. But um, so I, I I bought a magazine, which is really which was really funny that you were talking about magazines. And this one's a really clean copy. I don't even know what it is, but I just thought it was a really cool cover. But it's a a Spider Man comics review. That's gorgeous. Yeah, I don't even know what it is, but I was like, oh, that's a really cool cover. So I've I never seen that. Yeah, I'd never I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, so these I got from some random store. These are like later issue hardware, something or another. Sorry, yeah, it's really yeah, hard. Are those the Mobius ones? I don't know. Um are they in like the 30s, 40s? These are in the 40s. These are like 42 and 43. There's some that are Mobius. This one's Rollins, so that one's not. I don't know. It's just late issue hardware. I yeah, buy them. In the 40s, it's worth buying. Yeah. Um, I've got a Darth Vader number two fifth print, which, you know, now some people are saying that, hey, look, it's got an ad for <laughs> Darth Vader three in the back of it. First per- or first appearance. <laughs> nah, but it's still pretty cool cover. But major key alert. Yeah, major key. Um, I've Inferno, the Magic, the Gronoff cover. Sorry, it's really bad lighting in this hotel room. Um, oh, we and then, picked one of those up at Barger's. Yeah, and then some, I don't even know what this is. Some. It was just a cool Black Widow cover. I don't even know what that is. Some variant. Oh. I don't know what that is. Hey, and now and now the the huge rabbit hole that I'm, the, I, I swore I would not, but for the price I had to, I bought a previews of <laughs> Spider-Man 1. 
with miles on the cover but i got it for a, i got it for a dollar so i was like that's got to be good and then i bought another pre another previews and it's the one with the first shuri oh, okay. yeah. on the on the back cover that yep. apparently people are now wanting beautiful I, j scott campbell art yeah i don't i don't get the previews things at all i have no idea um but for the price i couldn't really just let it sit there and have somebody else. My guess is these are probably going to, if, if we ever do a round two of the, uh, uh, round two of the, uh, the band box. Yeah. The, yeah. Those, um, those, the, those will probably end up in there. That's pretty much what happened with the last batch of books was stuff. I just recently bought. So anybody else, um, Paul, you want to go next and I'll go. Yeah. I just have two. Um, I was talking to a buddy doing some turtle research and um, uh, we were looking into some stuff and it actually ties into what Brian was talking about earlier about uh, kingdom come stuff in the background. So this is um, Mirage TMNT volume four, number 10. Uh, and the, the big thing that happens in this issue is splinter dies. Uh, but right here in this panel um, you can see in the door frame is um Rat King. Oh, that's and cool. Foreshadowing uh, his death in this issue. And um, I just thought that was really cool. And that it tie. So I've been buying those just here and there. And then number 11 is the um, the burial of Splinter. Um, not much spec there because um, I did dive a little deep into that research. And it, uh, long story short, it's a, it's, it's a Splinter doppelganger. But um, reading the story when it came out was like, holy crap, they killed Splinter. Um, and so I just thought it was really cool that Rat King was in the background on that panel. Did, did you ever buy that thing I showed you on Facebook? No, not yet. I gotta, um, he hasn't gotten back to me. Dang it. Okay. Dino? Okay. Um, I, got, I, don't, I got a mismatch of shit, I guess. Um, so I got uh, a little um, X Men variants. So this is just the um, the rose of Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper's cover. So nothing to see there. Um, funny story about this. These um, people were like, Dino, why are you buying these? And I thought I was going to be cool, but I wasn't. Uh, so I bought Spider Man number one, the, or Spider Man twenty nine nine. The uh, but it's not the newsstand, so I got that thrown in because of my story on these other two. Um, I thought I was getting Spider-Man 299 number three, a, a different version. And I won't go about what different version is because it's super secret. Uh, but I got this regular version that was, uh, uh, I got a Spider-Man 299 number four. Um, that's what I got over here. Just some mixed crap. Uh, Scotty Young, my wife's a big Scotty Young fan. So extorting X-Men number one, little Scotty Young stuff. Uh, anybody got Scotty Young coverage for cheap? I'll buy them. Uh, Mr. Barger, we talked about Mr. Barger. He sent me this actually, so that, that's cool. It's pretty dope. Uh, so shout out to him. Um, I bought a Moon Girl Double Dinosaur number 19 variant, so um, it looks pretty nice. Um, I scored it for 30 bucks. I mean, I can't beat that, right? I, mean, I don't know, whatever. Uh, so I got that. Uh, and then I bought look at this my, me buying slabs again. Look at this guy, Spider Man 299 number two, uh, variant CBCS 98, uh, Pasquale Ferry retailer incentive variant. So, old label, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the old label. Do, do I bust it out and um, do I do a CGC? I don't know. I don't know, but no, it's cool. Yeah. It's hard to see, but yeah, that's all. That's all I got for now. I I've been buying books like a madman. Uh, you might want to keep checking out the, the episodes in the podcast because I'm gonna have fire soon, man. It's gonna be. Uh, if only you had the rivets on that label, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good old rivets, dude. Good maybe old I'll rivets. Talk to or talk to Steve, Steve Barack, and maybe he can hook me up with old rivets label. Hey, I just want to know if Dino's taking uh, song requests. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Big Leg, you got anything? Yeah, I got a couple of things. So I don't know if you guys heard of this, but Wanted Comics did a variant um, <laughs> John Gallagher. And <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, uh, yeah, early cover of the year candidate. Uh, I did. Uh, uh, Drew, Drew, Drew's my buddy there. Um, I uh, sort of hard to find. The uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers cover variant for uh, number B here. Oh, those uh, are hard to find. Yeah, so I, I got a, I got a good, I got a good deal on one of those. Um, I picked up a, a bunch of little stuff, but uh, you know, some in um, some Ironheart stuff and things like that. But like, they're I got to unwrap boxes. I was trying to find them, but um, I think got to thank uh, Phil Vintage Comics and Toys. For uh, turning me on to a good deal for this uh, Tales from the Clone Wars webcomic collection. Nice. You know what I mean? So it's with the, uh, I think so. It's first Cad Bane. Um, some people say for Cogatano. And um, yeah, so something like that. So I thought it would be good. This 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 one, this this came with the, uh, this is a printout. I think I could be off. I think they said they only, there's like a thousand printed or something. I think two. I think the posters too. Okay. Huh? Yeah, and it came. It came with the. Po- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull yeah. them out because I'll just fuck them up. Yours came rolled. What? Yeah. Well, yeah. I got it from like the store who had them, and it just came up. So. Nice. Yeah. So I got. So I got a good deal, and you can grade these things. Um, that'd be pretty thick, thicker than any slab I have, but I guess not that much thicker than magazines. I haven't pulled this out, but um, um, if I if I decide to. And it's so glossy, I'd probably actually use gloves. Um, but uh, to check the back, it looks possibly gradable. But anyway, so uh, yeah, a couple a couple cool things there. Um, I I did buy some stuff. It's not here yet. So in these future weeks, I'm actually gonna have some cool shit to show up. Hell yeah! Not, well, but before we let John go, everybody's asking in the chat. That uh, he's got to show some pickups of his sweet uh, spinner rack behind him. We everybody's oh, yeah. asking what's some of the cool stuff in the spinner rack behind you, John. Oh man, I'm all right. Let's see where we go. <laughs> there we go. The first look Drew at that. Text me what's in the spinner rack. I I wrote down what's in the spinner rack. Uh, Dennis Hazen here texting in there, and I said, man, I already wrote that down. So. <laughs> Good, good thing Brian's the host. I have a, a selection of stuff. Uh, <laughs> and you can draw your own conclusions of what kind of person I am. <laughs> I just love seeing a spinner rack in there. I, I've always wanted one. Everybody always says they want one, and the lucky of us find them. All right. Let's see Dude, I, on my Craigslist, I see so many spinner racks on my Craigslist, and I just never do it. Well, I wonder how many of them are like real. Well, there's a difference in a vintage and a, and a newer yeah. one. I mean, they all they're all appreciated. Yeah. Well, I re- I remember that one. I remember the Hey Kids one. Yeah. This is, uh, this is from Spinnerack.net. Uh, it's brand new. Uh, I have three of them in the house. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. One in my bedroom and one upstairs. That's fine. Anyway, I will walk you through my uh, random assortment here. Uh, moonshine. Okay. Love oh, that's great. I got a. I have a sign by Frank, the Frank Miller variant, uh, oh, number yeah. one signed. Yeah. Real and resource. Some of my favorites. Uh, Hundred bullets is one of the best books I've ever read. Yeah. So we got that. Um, I really dug this book a lot. Uh, Brandon Seifert and uh, Lucas Kettner, well, Witch Doctor. I thought it was really kind of an interesting sort of, you know, it, it popped and locked and it did its did its thing. Really enjoyed it. Uh, of course, but this is the uh, newer one. Emerson Burrell. Kind of dug that. I've uh, been a fan of Jason's work for a long time. Of course, the indomitable Ed Brubaker and Sean oh. cannot live without them. Everything they do, uh, no exceptions. Just yep. I, Criminal I, back in the day was one of my favorite all-time books. Uh, and I love Brubaker's run on Daredevil too. Yeah, I think I think Brubaker's up there for me with Tom King and uh, Jonathan Hickman, Alan Moore. Um, these are all writers that just knock me on my ass. Just yeah. Of course, Jack, I mean, this is one of many. I mean, my house is full of bookshelves, but, you know, you have to have the Eternals close by anytime. <laughs> really, really dug the hell out of this book, too. Yeah. Uh, Dog-eared it a little bit. I think this is my second copy. Uh, really nice to see Sean Murphy blowing up. Uh, I've been a fan of his work for years, and uh, you put on the writing writing cap and just crushed it. Um, this knocked me on my ass. I mean, for any number of reasons. One, uh, Mr. Miracle is one of my favorite Jack uh, DC characters, and to have Tom King and Mitch do do this kind of book it just just killed me. I was just thrilled to death. Every every issue was was blowing me apart. And uh, Immortal Hulk, mm -hmm. I didn't think that I would ever say, you know what, I can't get the next issue of a Hulk comic. But here I am. Uh, I, I love it. I, I think it's one of the most interesting explorations of body horror uh, I've ever seen. It's cr positively Cronenbergian. Um, delightful. Delightful, challenging, weird, truly horrific, uh, and really offbeat, daring, which is a, which is always nice. So that was just a random selection, but you get the idea. Um, I'm kind of digging, I'm kind of digging this stuff. So very cool. I think Al Ewing uh, is one of those guys up there with Hickman and and uh, some of those amazing writers that are just blowing everybody away, right? Yeah. Yeah, there. I think I, you know, there's always that discussion, uh, and I'm never, I'm never quite sure, you know, what way it's going to cut. But to me, it's always um, there's always these discussions about whether it's the writer's era or whether it's the artist's era, and you know, as they change, you know, they they vacillate. But um, I, I just feel like we're living in a an absolutely fantastic time to be reading books. Uh, I, when I go to uh, my local here, a big shout out to my my good pal Pete Turcott, who runs Big Pete's Collectibles just down the street from me. Um, 
he's always turning me on to cool stuff too. And, and combined with Chris, I feel like I'm, I have a much more uh, integrated uh, appreciation than, you know, perhaps at, at times before maybe I didn't have, because I have guys with vested interests close to me and I'm finding just gem after gem after gem. And uh, it's gone from being just a, you know, kind of a, a wonderful hobby. It's becoming much more than that, especially with doing variant covers more frequently now. Uh, just a really new appreciation, a, new, a renewed appreciation. Um, well, you you mentioned earlier um, about the Ha Ha number two variant that's going to be coming out soon. That he gave a little teaser that it is an homage to an old school horror book that uh, I can't wait to see. So I want to remind everybody to keep an eye out uh, at Wanted Comics for that book. Um, if you can, try and score a copy of the Ha Ha number one because, like Sean said, it is uh, for me cover of the year already. So. Um, very kind of you, but we yeah. got a lot of we got a lot of living to do in the next year. Amen. Uh, Amen. I, I hope if I have the opportunity, and I'm I'm looking, it's looking like I might. Um, I'm hoping to top that as the year goes on, and and fans can get excited about uh, some of the things I'm fortunate enough to to be able to work on. Well, I, we I, appreciate yeah, it. It's too scary for me. That that clown is a little too intense for me to have in my house. <laughs> I, I got an eight-year-old who just has nightmares as a clown, so I'm like, it can't be here either. Yeah, I, I tend to defeat my nightmares the more that I draw them. But yeah, there's there's something eternal. I think it's it's and then I I realize it's overused, but there's something iconic about a creepy clown. It's just one of the one of the foundations of uh, everyday horror. And you can't even explain it. You don't need to. Now, pe people are legitimately scared of clowns. You know what I'm more like, scared of? Like I'm not scared of clown cars. <laughs> I'm 6'6". Six, six. I'm terrified of clown cars, man. <laughs> nah, man, not for me. Phone, those phone booths and clown cars, those don't look any fun right. at all. Exactly. <laughs> I always wondered as a kid, like when you when you see the face paint and everything, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. But I was like, where are they, where are they coming from? Like, <laughs> you know the shtick. I mean, we all know the gag. But it didn't stop it from being creepy as hell. In fact, I heard there was an accident a couple of weeks ago here. It was really horrific. Two of them collided, and there was 127 dead. I've never... And on that note, listen, John, we had a great time. We would love to have you back anytime you want to come on. Um, and, and I would be uh, read the riot act if I didn't say, I really think that the guys over at the dark side, our Star Wars show, would love to talk to you one night about your work, um, you know, on Knights of Old Republic and Revan. And uh, we appreciate you for taking the time out and just geeking out over comics with us, man. Dude, Matt, thanks so much, everybody, for for having me be a part of this. It felt like you guys instantly welcomed me into your your family. It was really thank you so much. It's always it's always awesome to meet other people from my tribe. You know, hell yeah. Well, well, nice well, we'll, be, we'll be in touch, and we want to thank everybody that was in the live chat tonight, and uh, thank you for everybody that liked, subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell to catch all the other shows on the network, and we'll see you next Monday. Adios. Absolutely.